Well, I'll, I'll invite you to turn in your Bibles to one verse tonight, Ephesians 5.18. Just one verse in our basic Bible doctrines that we have been sharing for a while now. Um, we have talked about our assurance of salvation. We have shared our security in salvation. We talked about returning to the will of God. Children of God can return to the will of God. We saw that with David in the 51st Psalm. We have shared fellowship with God. Uh, last, triumphant over temptation. And tonight, for a title of the message, it's Under the Influence. Under the Influence. And we are going to share how to live a spirit-filled life. Or simply, how to live the Christian life. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I, uh, I need to move my mailbox at home. My mailbox is in the center of the yard out by the curb, and you have to park just right on this side of it or just, just the right distance on this side of it so the mailman can get in and out. I kind of have anxiety when, when I know somebody's coming over. I love having company, but when somebody comes over, I, it's, it's likely they're going to uh, block the mailbox or hinder the mailman from being able to drop off the mail. So I'm looking out the blinds and looking out the window when someone comes over and most of the time they, they don't park just right. And I had a relative come over a while back. Well, actually, this has been a couple of years ago that uh, I thought about and, and I didn't want them to have to go back to their car and move it. So I said, yeah, can I go move your car for you? The, mail, the mailman will be coming. Sure, sure, go ahead. And with that go ahead, I kind of thought the keys were in the car. So I went out to the car and I don't see any keys. I don't see a keyhole to put a key in. Um, I'm looking around at this car, and, and there's a button. It's a newer car, you understand. And, and, uh, and so anyway, I see a button, and it says something about turning the car on, turn engine on. And so I pressed that button, and nothing happened. I went back in the house, and I said, hey, I, um, uh, there's no key. There's, there's, there's no keyhole. I, I don't see anything there. I saw a button. And uh, it said you, something about pressing the button and you turn the car on. Yeah, yeah, do that. Do that. I said, I did that and the car didn't start. Oh, you press on the brake and then and you press the button also. So I went back out and I pressed on the brake and I pressed on the button and the car wouldn't start. So I go back in and I said, hey, I pressed the brake, I pressed the button and the car wouldn't start. Oh, you need, you need this key. And what was handed to me didn't look like a key. They, they thought I already had whatever this doohickey is that they, they said is in place of a key or something. And I said, where do I put it? They said, nowhere, just have it on your person. And when you get in the car and you press the brake and you press that button, then the car will start. I went out there with this thing in my pocket and I pressed the brake, I pressed the button, the car started. And so I was able to move the car the three feet or so that it needed to be moved. You know, after all of that, I would have rather gathered about eight of my male neighbors to come over and 
pick up the car and move it those three feet. Or, or it would have been much easier if I could have just put the car in neutral and just pushed that car. I would have done that instead. I guess I would have needed the key doohickey to be able to do that. So I was in the same situation no matter what. You know, and I, and I really would have rather pushed that car out of the way than the trouble I went through. But, you know, to say that I would like to push that car down to the grocery store to go grocery shopping and to put my groceries in the car and then push that car back home, that sounds just absolutely silly. I know you agree with me. Uh, whether you're online or, or not, because that, that would be a silly thing to push that car around. But I say all that to say this. There are many Christians who are trying to push their way through the Christian life. When there is a better ride for you and I to live the Christian life. And it's by way of a spirit-filled life. Paul says again, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I don't know if, if that's as popular a phrase as people are using in religion today, but I know about 10 or 12 years ago, I heard that left and right. Spirit-filled church. I see it on billboards. Come to the Spirit-filled church. I've invited people to church and they... And some have said, is your church spirit-filled? Because I only want to go if you have a spirit-filled church. And, and I believe we do have a spirit-filled church. I, I hope we do. And, and that might be a good question to ask. Um, in many cases, what I found out is a lot of people had no idea what they were really talking about when they spoke of a spirit-filled church. When we speak of being filled with the Spirit or Spirit-filled, spirit a lot of grounded Baptist preachers don't even use that phrase. The words are in the Bible, but they don't even say it because of the misconception that so many have about a Spirit-filled church. You know, we are saved. The Holy Spirit lives within the believer, the one who is saved. And even among born-again, blood-bought Christians, many do not understand this filling of the Spirit, this Spirit-filled, this being filled with the Spirit of God. When Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, he's talking about our lives being under the control or being under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God in obedience to Him. You know, a lot of people know what this doesn't mean by what some people have portrayed about it out in the world, but do we really know what it does mean? You know, and I, I know that there are struggles in the Christian life and there are trials that we go through. There are some tough seasons that we have. But as I say that, the Christian life is not to be as hard as the everyday, the general, the average experience of the Christian. It's, it's not designed by God to be as hard 
as what a lot of people experience. And of course, that's not on God. That's on you and I. When things seem to be very difficult. Because Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And that word easy doesn't mean easy as an opposite of hard. It means well-fitting. Jesus has a well-fitting yoke for you and I to get in. To get in with Him and to learn of Him. Uh, but but however, as we as we understand that that word easy isn't what we think of as easy today, the Christian life is not as hard as what many experience. But for that to be so, for the Christian life to find out what this spirit filled life is all about, to find out what a Christian life is all about, that's really not as hard as our easier, easy experience, is really not as hard as our hard experience. I mean, it takes being filled with the Spirit. There's something that is required for you and I to experience the Christian life that God has in mind for us. We're saved and we're going to heaven, but we're not going to live like we're headed for heaven. We're not going to look like we're headed for heaven in our life unless we are living a spirit-filled life. This one verse tonight, many read this verse and they say, see, I told you the Bible says we shouldn't drink, you know, and look, I agree that the very best thing that any of us can do is completely leave alcohol alone. That, that, that is the best thing that we can do about it. But that's not the only thing that is in this verse. There is more to this verse. It goes on to say, you be filled with the Spirit. And I am to be filled with the Spirit. There's a don't in this verse. And there's a do in this verse. Don't be under the influence of alcohol. But be under the influence of the Spirit. You know, even the lost person would say that the Christian shouldn't be under the influence of alcohol. Uh, they shouldn't either. But... They will definitely point to the Christian or talk to the Christian and say, you ought not be doing that. And I tell you what, most people I've run across, their attitude is they won't listen. They will not listen to your declaring of the gospel of Jesus Christ if, if that's going on in your life. So even the lost person knows that that's a don't or believe that's a don't for the Christian. You know, but there is also... A do for the Christian. We see that first part, the don't. We see that it's wrong. But then we see that we are to be filled with the Spirit. 
We see how wrong that first part is, but do we see how wrong it is to not be filled with the Spirit? To be committing the sin of omission by not walking in the Spirit of God. Because we receive the Holy Spirit the moment we're saved. And and He abides, He takes up residence, but He's really at home when we yield and submit to the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about receiving the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that some more. You, that happened when you were saved. But it's, it's submitting to the Holy Spirit and the Spirit feeling at home and, and leading our lives and us, and us relying on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And if we are not doing that, we are just as wrong as what people are doing in the beginning of that verse. We as a church want to be everything that God wants us to be. I, I believe that about this church. I, I believe that about us. I've, I, I see that you believe that about one another. We want to be everything that God wants us to be. But let's go over a few thoughts on this tonight. And, and let's think about just for a minute why we need to be filled with the Spirit. Well, to be able to follow, to be able to follow, because this verse is not asking us to be filled with the Spirit. This verse is not suggesting that you and I be filled with the Spirit. This verse is a command that we be filled with the Spirit. It's disobedience to God when we are not yielding to the leadership of the Spirit of God. When we are not influenced by the Holy Spirit of God, it's, it's disobedience. So, so why, do, why do we need to be filled with the Spirit? To be able to follow God, to be able to obey God, and, and, and to submit to His command. And something else, if God is commanding that you and I be filled with the Spirit, we can be filled with the Spirit. It is something that we're able to do. God does not put any command on us that we can't obey. There's, there's no command that we can't submit to. So we understand that this is something that we can do. And there's something else in that. We're responsible for it. When the Lord's Word says be filled with the Spirit, we're responsible for doing so. You know, we, we see drunkenness as a horrible sin. You know, but, but in the same way, do we see the, the disobedience of submitting to the Spirit as the same horrible sin, as a sin in the same way? You know, it's a sin to be in a position of leadership in a ministry or to work in a ministry and not be filled with the Spirit. It's a sin. We're disobeying God's command. And it's affecting that ministry. It's affecting our lives. It's affecting the lives of others. You don't have to be in ministry or in a position. It's, it's disobedience to sit in the pew and not be filled with the Spirit. It is for every Christian to be under the influence of the Spirit of God in their lives. So why do we need to be filled with the Spirit? To follow. We also need to be filled with the Spirit to fulfill. To fulfill an obligation that we have to God. We are to live to give the greatest glory to God that we possibly can. 
It's an obligation. We're to bring him as much glory as possible. And it is impossible to live for the glory of God if you and I are not filled with the Spirit. We need to do this to fulfill our obligation to God. We need to fulfill this obligation by meeting. By meeting in God's house. You know, it's one thing to meet and to be present in church. That's one thing. But it's another to truly give praise to God. To give thanks to God. To sing to God in church. To pray. To have ears to hear the word of God under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You know, what's going on here is a spiritual thing. It has to come from a spiritual source for us to meet and to worship God. It takes a spiritual means to do this. The Bible says, when Jesus says, they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So this is not something the natural man can do. It's a spiritual thing. It's spiritually motivated. It's a spiritual source to be able to worship God. I'm thankful when the unsaved come to the house of God. That they might hear the life-saving gospel of Jesus Christ. How that He died for our sins and was buried and was raised again the third day according to the Scriptures. And He did that for our sins. That we might believe on Him and be saved. So I'm, I'm glad for unsaved to come into the house of God and hear the truth of God. But understand this. They're being drawn, but their experience is totally different than the child of God's experience. Because because the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in our lives. And we can have a spirit of worship as we are here and worship God. So we need to fulfill an obligation to God and be filled with the Spirit to bring Him glory. For meeting, how about in marriage? I had some M words on my mind and, and, and marriage is one that comes to my mind. It takes being spirit filled for a marriage to work. Amen. And, and I know I'm hearing amens on the other side of that camera from those who are married. You know, the husband has a God given role and the wife has a God-given role. And it takes the power of God to fulfill these roles and for marriage to be successful. You know, the quality of the marriage and the home life is cut short if we are not spirit-filled. It's not just being spirit-filled in church. Some people gather and have what you might call a pep rally, and then they go on with an everyday natural life, and they say they had a spirit-filled meeting. It's a way of life. It's a, it's a constant surrender to the Spirit of God and being under His control. How about in our money-making? How about the job? How about obeying your masters according to the flesh as unto Christ? 
Look, some people have some good bosses and there are some good unsaved bosses. They're, they're good bosses anyway, but sometimes they can be very tough to deal with. And that takes an absolute, complete surrender to the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit to be able to obey that command and to submit yourselves under, under the boss of your flesh as unto Christ. You know, Christian employees ought to do the most work and the, less, the least amount of complaining. Christian employees ought to be the hardest workers there are on the job. The boss might not like the spirit-filled worker, but he ought to love the spirit-filled work that's going on. The Christian ought to be the most productive one on the job and, and doing his job with all that he has and, and, and with all he can do. And the, and, and, and the boss will, will love that work that they are doing. The Christian ought to let their light so shine before men, even on the job. We need to be spirit filled in all we do. How, how about as a militia? You know, we're in a fight and the everyday child of God walking down the street needs to be armored up and geared up and ready for a battle. Because when we were saved, we signed up for a fight against the devil. And, and we're locked into an engagement that we are always going to be in while we are on this earth. And if we're not spirit filled, we're going to be sifted as wheat. That roaring lion is going to look to devour you and I. So we need to be spirit filled for the battle that is going on in our lives. There's a reason, there are reasons for obligation to God. Why should we be spirit filled? Well, how about opportunity for God? How about opportunity for God? The Bible says we're to be redeeming the time because the days are evil. That means we're to make the most out of every single opportunity that we can for God and for His glory. And we need to be ready to do so. And look, there's no way you and I are going to be able to do that if we're not filled with the Spirit, it's going to take being filled with the Spirit. What are some opportunities that we have for God as His children? Well, how about sharing that good old gospel story? How about being in the part of the Good Samaritan? And I tell you what, we can witness and can, we can be willing to help others all day long. But the power and the success in being able to do so is going to matter concerning whether we're filled with the Spirit or not. Whether it's the power of the Holy Spirit's influence in what we're doing. Because it can be routine and motions without any power in it. But it's going to take you and I being under the influence of God's Holy Spirit for this to be successful. Well, how can we be spirit filled? We've talked a little bit about why we should be spirit filled. But how can we be spirit filled? First, let me say by faith. 
by faith. Only the child of God can be spirit-filled. Only the child of God can be under the control of the Spirit of God. I have had unsaved people tell me, look, I'm not very religious, but I'm spiritual. No, they're not. And if you say that, no, you're not. A person is either spiritual or they're carnal. And the only one who is spiritual is the one who has been born again. The one who has trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. How do we do this? How can we be spirit filled? Well, it's simply by faith. It's simply by knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. How can we be spirit-filled? Well, once we've come to faith, once we've trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it's not only by faith, but it's by faithfulness that we would commit ourselves to God and surrender to the Spirit. We need to be faithful to the person of the Holy Spirit to lead us in every area of our lives. I have a preacher friend that told a story about himself from the pulpit and I've told it a time or two and it tells the story well in that he pastored in a little country town and so members would call and say uh, hey we want to come by hey we're driving down the highway and we want to stop off and see you okay come on over and immediately he and his wife would run, and they, their house wasn't dirty, but they just always had stuff everywhere, messy. And they would run, and they would shove things in this room, and shove things in that room. And I mean, the living room and the kitchen, it wrapped around to a kitchen, all of that looked good. And he, he would invite them into the living room and around the kitchen area. Don't go in the bedrooms. Don't go in that other room over here. Look, the Holy Spirit wants us to yield to Him in every area of our lives, that we wouldn't close off anything to Him. We need to be faithful to yield to Him in all things. One verse we're looking at tonight, and I would like to consider just this verse and a comparison in this verse one to another. Let's compare the first part of this verse with the second part for, for some parallels, actually, and for a likeness. I'm going to read it again and maybe a few more times before we quit. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Some people yield to alcohol. And it affects every single part of their life, of their personality, it influences and affects everything about a person that yields to it. People, people drink it. People consume it. And it goes to the stomach. And it penetrates through the stomach lining. And it goes into the bloodstream. And within five minutes, one drink goes to the brain. And within about 20 minutes... Your liver is laboring and working hard to process that stuff. That quick goes throughout the whole body. And it alters the thinking. You know, when I was a little kid, uh, the best I can remember, my mom had a rule. No alcohol came in the house. You understand, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. There was no alcohol in the house. 
but my dad could drink out at the cement table with the neighbors. Every now and then he would have one inside though. And, and I'll look back and I'll put this together now. Back then I was just a kid and I thought everything was cool. And my dad would be sitting there with a can of something in his hand and I'm watching TV and it, it's calm. Nobody's arguing or fighting. But, my, but I remember my mom walking up to my dad and looking at him and saying, you look like a different person and you act like a different person with just one drink. She didn't say it disrespectfully. It wasn't an argument. She just sincerely told him that. It alters the thinking. It slurs the speech. It blurs the vision. It causes the feet to stumble. The Bible says that it's a mocker. It's raging. And it is a deceiver. The drunk is controlled by alcohol from head to toe. Now for a demonstration of being under the influence of the Spirit, when we submit to the Holy Spirit of God, we have a different walk. We have a different talk. We have different actions. We go through different motions. Our thinking is different. Our motives are different. Let me say it this way. The Holy Spirit influences one to be able to live the Christian life. The Holy Spirit is complete in complete agreement with everything in the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And it lives the Word of God through our lives when we submit to the Holy Spirit. So how can we be Spirit-filled? By faithfulness to submit to the Spirit. But also by fortitude. If you have faith in the Savior, you can be filled with the Spirit. You, if you have faith in the Savior, you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you. But to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you can do that. If you're saved, you can be filled with the Spirit. If you are a Christian, you can confidently claim the, the different life, the powerful life in Jesus Christ and the carrying out of your conversion in the way you live by way of the Holy Spirit. You can name that and you can claim that. When you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you received in that very second the person of the Holy Spirit within you as well. The Bible tells us so in Romans 8 9. It says, if any man has, have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So you can't believe in Jesus and there's a there's there's saving belief in Jesus and then receive the spirit at another time. If, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're not His. So the second you were saved, you received the person of the Holy Spirit. There are those who would say that, that you might be saved on Monday, on Sunday morning, and, and you might receive the Spirit on Sunday night. Or you might receive the Spirit at another time. Or you can earnestly beg and ask for the Spirit. You don't want that Spirit. Don't, don't do that. John says, John says this, John says in 1 John 4, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. 
If somebody tells you, like they told me in my young Christian life, after I gave my testimony and they said, you're on your way, but there's more to it. Look, if somebody tells you that, tell them whenever that spirit becomes better than the Holy Spirit, then I'll receive that spirit. But until then, I will stick with the Holy Spirit who came to live within my heart the moment that I was saved. And God promises success in our lives by, by the filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. How can we be filled with the Spirit? Well, by faith. One has to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The unsaved do not have this privilege. It is exclusively for a child of God. It's exclusively for that one who will be willing to turn from their sins and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. There's People talk about their benefits of worldliness and, and they can live as they want and they don't have to live by a set of rules by a God who cares for them and knows what's best. But they can do what they want. Look, you are not privileged to the power of the Holy Spirit. The person of God living within you unless you are saved. So when, I'm, when we're talking about being spirit filled here, filled with the spirit. This was written to Christians. This was written, written to the Christians at this church. And this is for children of God. It's not for the unsaved. Any unsaved can become a child of God. Even tonight. And trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. But this is clearly for the Christian. We can be spirit filled by faith. By, by faithfulness to submit to the Holy Spirit. And by fortitude. Have confidence child of God. That the Holy Spirit will lead your life. God commands it, therefore we're able. What shall we be as spirit-filled? Specifically to others. First of all, to God. What will we be to our Father when we are spirit-filled? We, we will be His child that can give Him more pure praise. And we can give Him a lot more praise. We want... You know, to, to sing in church, hear, hear a sermon in worship, be with the saints in worship. But we need to have a spirit of worship. It takes the child of God being filled with the spirit to have a spirit of worship while they're here. There, there are just a few of us here tonight, but we've gathered in prayer and we've gathered with the word. And the Lord is here with us, and we can have a spirit of worship. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. There's nothing less about the worship that we can have. It's, it's about us. It's about our hearts right now. Do we have a spirit of worship? We, the church is about assembling together. But I'll say, in this condition we're in, if, if you're at home and you, you are in a spirit of worship, you're able to worship tonight. And that's pleasing to God. God's deserving of that. He's deserving of the greatest service that we can possibly give Him. And remember, our motive matters and our attitude matters. And God knows our hearts. And when we are spirit-filled, service is not a burden to you and I. 
And it's not a drag for you and I to serve the Lord. It is a privilege. And and that attitude is all going to depend on whether we are filled with the Spirit or not. If he's crowded up in the corner of the Christian's life and he doesn't and the Holy Spirit doesn't feel at home. Then then that's not spirit filled and we're not serving him as we should. And we don't have a spirit of worship if things are that way. Don't you want God to feel at home in your heart and life? I I believe everyone does. I believe everyone in this church does. Wants God to feel at home and to have his way in our hearts. And it's going to come by, by submitting to the leadership and the power of the Spirit of God. What shall we be as Spirit-filled? Well, to God will be pleasing. What will we be to others as Spirit-filled? You know, when the Christian is Spirit-filled... We see other Christians and we all have differences. Thank God for those differences because that's what makes up the people of God and the family of God. We have different skills. We have different talents. We have different things we we can do. We have different opinions of things. You know, we have a different attitude about this. We see some things from different angles. And a lot of times... That helps, but sometimes it could divide. And if we're not spirit filled, it will. But if the child of God in the family of God is spirit filled. We're going to see one another. According to what we have in common with each other. We have salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is the first And most dominant thing we're going to see in one another. We're going to love. We're going to forgive. We're going to forget. It's going to be different as children of God. We'll be more. We'll be more thankful than critical. If we are spirit filled, I see those two things as opposites. And the spirit filled child of God is going to be a thankful child of God. We're going to submit to one another. We're going to serve one another. Think about that. Think about how we can know if we're spirit filled by our attitude One to another, because if we're not spirit filled, we can just sit down and get something stirred up in our minds and we can be against our very own family of God. We can just think about the differences we have. We can just think about our conflicting opinions that we have with others. And what does that amount to? What is that worth? When we're children of the king together. When we've been born again in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And He's my Lord and Savior. And He leads us both by the Holy Spirit. We have the most important thing in common in life. That's what we're going to be one to another.
when we're spirit-filled. What else makes sense here about being spirit-filled? If we're filled with the Spirit in our lives, we're going to see the fruit of the Spirit. You find the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, and starting in verse 22, I'm going to read these. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. I'd like to start closing on this thought right now with the fruit of the Spirit. I pulled out of this, off this property one day and my Bible was sitting on the side of my tailgate and it fell off in the street and, and I had all my personal information on it, my phone number, my address, nobody returned it to me. And the most important thing in all of that within my Bible cover was the Word of God. And I'm, I'm thankful I was able to get another copy of the Word of God. And I quit driving that truck and I got an SUV so I wouldn't set that Bible on the bed of the truck anymore and lose it. Just kidding. It, ta- it takes more than that. But there were, the most special thing was the Word of God, but there were many special things I had in, in that Bible case. And one thing was a, a paper that I got from a revival meeting, and on that paper, it had the nine fruits of the Spirit. And it was a test. I don't remember exactly how the test went. I, I made up my own test, and, and I just went on a scale of one to ten, and I, and I needed to examine myself and test myself to see where I was in living according to these fruits of the Spirit. Because the, the results of the Spirit... And our lives are these nine things. And, and how are we doing in those areas? That was a test that I was encouraged not just to take once during that revival week, but to take it out periodically, to take it out often and see where I was and where I stood. I lost that paper, but it's still something that I do and we all can do. Let us... Let us look and consider on a scale of 1 to 10 how we're doing as children of God who have received the Spirit of God when we were saved and the results of that in our lives are going to be these things. Love. How how are we doing with love? That agape love. The sacrificial love that costs God everything to give us a free salvation in His Son. And He gave us this love. It's a love that sacrifices. It's a love that will do for others at the expense of yourself. How are we doing in love? And by the way, from love would come the rest of these things. Joy. We're to rejoice all the time. We have Many things to rejoice about all the time. And that is exclusively for the children of God. How are we doing in joy? How are we doing in this spiritual rejoicing that comes out of the depths of a relationship with Jesus Christ? And how about peace? Being justified by faith, therefore we have, we have peace with God. We're to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. 
And, and peace guards our hearts, Philippians says. And, and there's, there's harmony and there's tranquility one with another as children of God. Peace. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. How are we doing with that? How about long-suffering, patient, enduring? Scale of 1 to 10. Where are we with that? How about gentleness? A goodness and a kindness that, that overflows from the love of God. Gentleness as in, as in we would rather be hurt than someone else be hurt. Uh, goodness. This is a serviceable kindness as in generosity. How are we doing on 1 to 10 in that area? How about faith? We've trusted in the Lord. Have, have we become trustworthy as children of God? How are we doing in that area? Meekness. Strength under control. That's, that's the result of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That we're able to do this. We're able to operate in strength that's under control. And how about temperance? The ability to maintain control. To be able to hold back. If we are spirit-filled, then these are the results in our lives. And, and just think about our lives when we can get our, give ourselves a good grade in these things, it's going to be a perfect 100A plus in heaven one day. But now, how is it? Because I started out saying that the Christian life doesn't have to be as hard as the average Christian is living right now. And it takes being filled by the Spirit. And just imagine more of these things being seen, being manifested, being shown, being lived throughout our lives. We ought to take this test. You can, you can look up Galatians 5, and 23 and take this test with me. I need it. And you probably do too. And we can take it often. We need to always be filled with the Spirit. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And I pray you got something from this tonight. That it, there's something that lodged in, that there's something that doesn't let go of us. Because it's going to make a huge change in our lives. I mentioned how my mom said she'd look at my dad and say you don't look the same and and you're not the same person with with just one drink. And look, there's a lot of saved people, but when the Christian is filled with the spirit, they're they're not the same person. We are not the same person when we are filled with the spirit. And the average Christian life, that's, that's not what God has for you and I. When we're filled with the Spirit, I mean, we, we won't even look the same. We won't be the same. God's in the changing business. He's in the 
transforming business. He transforms lives. It's something I could never do to myself. I tried it. I tried to change my life for the good before I was saved. And it wouldn't last throughout the day. I couldn't get better no matter how determined I was. It took Jesus Christ saving me. And throughout our lives, it takes His Spirit being yielded to and submitted to. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray you will and hope you will trust Him tonight to forgive you for your sins. If you're listening or here tonight and you are a child of God, I pray you're encouraged by so much more that God has in store for us than, than what many are living. Praise God and thank God if you are surrendered to the Spirit of God because your life is becoming what God wants it to be. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this evening and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we thank you for your plan through your Son, to die in our place, that we might know eternal life by faith in Jesus Christ. And I thank you that throughout our lives, before you take us to heaven, there's the ministry of the Holy Spirit working within us. Lord, may we not waste that. May we see our inability and our helplessness. Though even saved, we can't live the Christian life without being filled with your Spirit. Lord, may our prayer be to be influenced by the power of your Holy Spirit, to be under your control, that we might live for your glory. We love you tonight. We thank you for loving us. We pray that you be with all the families who are down in difficulties and having problems and that you would meet every need. And we pray these things in the only way that you'll hear us. And that is in Jesus Christ's most precious and holy name we pray. Amen.